This is creative banter. Finding the time to head out into nature, especially for extended periods of time, can be a daunting task as you find your life becoming more complicated. While neither Ben nor I share in the exact difficulty that a listener is facing, we do our best to discuss how to find the time for photography in a busy life. We talk about how important it is to alter your mindset away from the idea of constantly being in nature, like what is so often shown on social media, and toward a mindset that prioritizes photography locally or perhaps changing what you photograph altogether. And while visiting the same locations time and again can seem like it would lead to creative stagnation, we discuss how it can, instead, lead to more intimate photographs that hold deeper meaning. Let's dive right into it, shall we? But man, for the past week or so, I've I've definitely uh, been affected a little bit. Man, these past two weeks have been just brutal for me. Like, it just it started off and it's been nonstop. Just like I'll get some reprieve, especially when I'm in the classroom and like teaching or whatever. As long as I'm up and moving, it seems to not be so bad. But yeah. then I'll come home and I'll sit down and just like try to relax, and it all just hits all at once, and I'm like, come on. Is is that something that you're you commonly um, experience? Yeah, it's typically like once a year, right around this time, that as everything starts to start growing again and all the pollen and stuff, uh, it typically gets pretty bad. But it's never fun. Like normally, I can have, I'll start using uh, different medications. Like I'll switch my medication right at the start of spring for allergies, and then that switch is enough to get on top of things. Yeah. But this year it's just not working out at all. So, yeah, it's it's something where I I usually just get like the slightest hint of it, ne- never anything where I need to like go about, you know, trying to to have some sort of medication to help with it. So, I mean, thankfully it's not anything anything very strong, but um there I I am especially sensitive to uh if there's any like spices in the air. So like, um, uh, the other day, my, my wife, we, um, uh, you know, I, I came home from skating. My wife came home from work and uh, she started making dinner and I, I went and took a shower just to, to, to clean off and, and whatever it was, the spices that she was using, um, it was in the air and then it got sucked underneath the, um, the bathroom door because I had the exhaust fan on mm-hmm. and it, I was sitting there in the shower. I sneezed probably like 30 times, just like <laughs> minding my own business, taking a shower, but it, it snuck up and got me. So I, I feel like that's probably a, a bit of what you're experiencing, uh, but you're, you're experiencing it uh, far, far more often. Yeah. It's really bad because like all of a sudden the sneezing fits will just hit you and you're sneezing one after another, after another. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny because I'll just hear like, downstairs my parents will hear me sneeze and especially my like either my sister or or my mom will say something and they're like bless you or whatever and it's like all right that's enough after like t- three or four sneezes in a row i'm like yeah <laughs> <There's> a limit <laughs> believe me it's uh not not fun for me but uh yeah yeah well we had a um we had a very good question 
a good topic suggestion, I should say, uh, over on the Discord. And uh, I think this will be a one of the uh, one of the key discussions on, on this episode. It's from uh, Christopher May. So basically, he is saying that he 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 enjoys listening to the podcast and and everything. And and um, he has uh, two young kids at home, and he says. While I enjoy living vicariously through other photographers, YouTube videos and such, sometimes I find that it can also be depressing since I can't do that kind of work anymore. That's left me in a funk and it's been hard to pick up a camera lately and even, and I've even thought about letting photography go. Any thoughts, tips, advice on how to still find some artistic satisfaction when life changes dramatically? Yeah, that's a really good one. That's it's a very very good question, and I definitely have some some thoughts on this. Um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on on this one. Yeah, I commented back to him shortly after I saw that, and I pretty much said like that I really appreciate him sharing it. Obviously, and like I have a lot of thoughts on it, and even when I commented, I'm like my thoughts are a bit scattered. Um, Everything has been scattered since student teaching. Yeah. It's uh, been tough to try and like narrow everything down into singular, um, singular train of thought. But um, yeah, why don't you take this off first, and I'll see if I can't collect some things. Yeah. So my my initial thought is that what he's doing truly matters. You know, have, having the you know, raising the kids, being a dad, all that sort of stuff. That's what actually matters. And I can see how some degree of escapism can be nice. Um, and it can be frustrating because you, you feel like there's something else you want to do. But, but I don't know. It, it's a sort of thing where like, I look at what I'm doing. I'm taking pictures of rocks and trees. It honestly doesn't really matter in the long run. You know, it's something that that I enjoy. It's something that I need to do to make a living. But ultimately, it doesn't make that big of a difference. You know, compared to what he's doing, you know, raising kids where that actually truly does make a difference. It's it's perhaps a bit more of a thinking of the long game in terms of you know, at at some point, you know, some of that free time will come back and he will be able to pursue what you know, what he wants to do from an artistic standpoint. And I can totally understand wanting to perhaps even temporarily uh, give up on photography just because it's not the same sort of experience that one could have, you know, if, if his plate wasn't so full. Like, I know that if I was juggling so many things, if I had young kids and everything, yeah, I wouldn't be able to you know, sneak away on photo trips, um, anything along those lines. But, and that would probably also have me thinking that, you know, maybe I should just give up on it because it's not really something that's, you know, going to happen in the foreseeable future. Um, but I do think it's a matter of, of that long-term approach. There are those long-term gains and, and seeing, you know, what is that he wants to pursue that, will happen later down the line, but he's got more important things to do in the meantime. Um, but I, I also know that it would be, I mean, I, I think back to when I was working at the day job and all I wanted to do 
was to do my own photography stuff. That's, that's all yeah. I wanted to do. I mean, I, I had the, the job paid the bills and everything, but it was not fulfilling from a creative standpoint. Um, so I, I can understand some degree of that, but I think it's really is a matter of, of thinking long-term and, and what he's doing now is far more important. Yeah, I definitely agree that, that what he's doing now is much more important than f- going out and photographing rocks. I, that reminds me of a, uh, of a comment on one of your YouTube videos recently that I saw that I couldn't help but laugh where someone had said uh, something along the lines of, seriously, dude, you travel all this way to photograph a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. you had commented back like, yep, something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that one, yeah. Yeah, so definitely like raising kids and going through that, like teaching them and helping to, well, raise them and become as good of individuals as, as they can be is definitely more important than going out and photographing rocks. I, there's no denying that. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I can absolutely, uh, I can feel the same frustrations with not being able to go out and pursue your photography like you want to, not being able to make the time or seemingly find the time to go out on a even a short trip or on a short hike. Um, it's something that I've struggled with for most of my photographic journey. Like, yeah, most of the times my trips are single day hikes to local woodlands to the same handful of woodlands without a whole lot of uh, variety without really traveling off to these exotic locations like i'm not going off to iceland next week and over to patagonia the next after that or anything like that yeah Um, but that required a major shift in my thinking and for the longest time i was very i guess i would say very depressed about not being able to go to these locations like guys like Thomas Heaton were doing or other people on YouTube, um, seeing these people travel all over the world and all over to these grand vistas and photographing these epic sunsets and everything. So not being able to do that and being forced to sit back and really reflect on what I want out of photography, like what do I want that is going to give me the most but also is going to fit with my schedule, with my newfound life, um, the way that things are going in my life, etc. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that you really have to do, regardless whether it's kids or a job. I get out on the weekends as much as I can because that's the time that I have. Like, and I'm very fortunate that I don't have any uh, outside responsibilities that. Um, really prevent me from going out when I want to on the weekends. Like, if my girlfriend wants to go with me, great. If she doesn't, then I'll more than likely still go. Um, With kids, obviously, that's different because if your significant other doesn't want to watch over them or has other plans and then you have to take over or, like, leaving that responsibility on someone else can be very difficult, I'm sure. So, really, I'd also be curious... If you can't necessarily get out, my biggest piece of advice, and again, my thoughts with this are scattered. They're, I'm eventually going to 
probably answer this question more succinctly in a um in a blog post or something um but for right now my biggest suggestion would be to try and find a way to encompass your photography in your daily life so like matt day is a great example of this like photographing yeah, that's what I was thinking as well photographing his family life and he's still doing photography on like a personal level he's still doing those projects around um Chillicothe. But at the same time, he's photographing his family. He's photographing um, just the life around him. So if photography truly means that much to you and you don't really want to let it go, then don't. Find a way to enjoy photographing those other moments. Enjoy photographing your kids growing up. Turn it into a project. If you don't feel like doing that and that's not really fine art enough for you whatever exactly that means then um try some still lifes or something like bring nature into your home photograph around your backyard start doing macro there are so many different ways that you can sort of shift your photography and make time for certain types of photography that you may not have otherwise thought about so that's really what i've got right now and i'll have more later on as i start ending my student teaching and can actually think a little bit more besides teaching. So, Yeah. Um, I mean, when you brought up Matt Day, that was also something that, that I was thinking about because, I mean, those sort of photos are the ones that make more of a difference. I mean, those are the ones that you look back on and, you know, having that level of, of quality photography of one's family, um, I think, you know, that's far more special. It's it's certainly a full different experience. It'll probably be rather chaotic in the moment. Perhaps an excuse to buy a Leica. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Go for it. Let me know how it works yeah. out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely see how, you know, when when you don't feel like you have the the same degree of flexibility, it's got to be very frustrating. Um, but yeah. But I think it just comes down to it's it's the long term game and, and trying to find one thing that I wrote down as you were talking was just the phrase small victories, uh, whatever that means. Just just uh -huh. on like a, on a daily basis, just you know something just to, to scratch that itch just a little bit. Um, maybe and, and as you mentioned, maybe in terms of projects or something like that. Um, but but yeah that's that's something i can't i can't relate to as a uh, as a cat and dog owner is, is far, far i mean i can just lock him out of the room they don't know how to use doorknobs so it's 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 much not yet not yet well one of the cats kind of figured it out but uh hasn't hasn't quite figured out the turning of the knob but he'll hang from it yeah. mm. it's only a matter of yes. time then. soon enough we'll just have cats doing the podcast instead you know i do have a cat on my mug right now it's not an actual cat. There's a picture of one that's staring at me. So I, I think there's a future in, in this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just try different things out. That's the biggest suggestion that I could give you is to, to try different types of photography, try documenting your daily life, like what Matt Day does. Start bringing nature inside the house and doing like still lifes. That's something that's very accessible. Uh, obviously, I don't know the day to day schedule, but. I can't imagine that you couldn't find 15, 20 minutes in a day to take a couple photographs of a still life that you set up and making a project out of that. Also, keep in mind that like 
the stuff that you see on YouTube when you see guys like Thomas Heaton going off on these grand adventures with on his channel, keep in mind that that's like the 4% of the time. The reality is that he's also like, he's a lot of the times he's doing a lot of the business stuff. He's working on his YouTube videos. Like it's not, it's, what you're seeing isn't what's actually happening yeah, behind the scenes all the time. It doesn't fully depict reality. And, and actually another thing too, w- when you had mentioned, you know, about the wishing that some ways that you could travel to some of these areas, perhaps, would you actually want to? If, if you had the free time, if you had the funds to do so, would you actually want to travel to some of these areas like Iceland and such? Or, I mean, is that appealing to you at all? I know for me, at least, I, I would love to go to Iceland. Yeah, I do plan on making a trip there. But at the same time, like, I know that I really wouldn't be able to make personable photographs there. Like that would have the same expressionality as what my work in the woodlands near me does because I don't have that connection to that place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have honestly no real desire. Um, any of these areas that you start seeing over and over again, I mean, I know Iceland's absolutely beautiful, but at the same time, I don't have a connection to it. Um, and I yeah. need to have that connection to a subject and to a location. And it seems like there's always this the latest hot trendy spot where people are going to and then people flood there and then they move on to the next area. And I just, I don't want to be a part of that. I'd much rather just go off and find my own subjects and to build that connection. Um, so it, it, cause those, those large places, it, it, they don't seem as conducive for the type of photography that, that you do. Um, Though, I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe you would, you would love, you know, working there, but at the same time, it, it doesn't, it seems like it's a different sort of aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Iceland in particular would be a drastic change in how I photograph, how I go about um, making my images and even like the subject matter itself would be a huge difference. Um, I don't know how many trees there are in Iceland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least not in the like popular photographs. It's always like these uh giants pieces of ice along the oceans and waterfalls and wild horses. But yeah. um yeah, I don't know how that would fit into things. I know it's a it's a place that I would like to go and visit, but I think a lot of that is just because of how popular it is right now. Yeah. Like it's curiosity. Japan is the only Japan is the other place that I'd love to go and visit. And that's more so because I've always felt some kind of connection to Japan. And I don't know exactly why that is. And I know that's more of like another popular kind of thing to say or to, to believe, but that's, I would sooner go to Japan and photograph in Japan and be able to find some kind of personable connection maybe over there than probably Iceland. Yeah. But I don't know. I would still rather be in my local forests or finding a place like how you go about it of like Acadia National Park and the Smokies or something like that and having those areas to constantly go back to and really build up a portfolio there instead. Yeah. And that's another thing too, because if you do go to, if you do form a connection with an area that is far away, 
I feel like it'd be a little bit of a bummer because they're like, now I got to go back again and again. And again, it's going to get expensive and just it's nice to be able to just hop in your car and, and, and drive to that spot. Yeah. That's why I want to move up north to probably Vermont because I would love to have the Adirondacks and uh, Acadia as like my two go-to places with some local woodlands in between. Yeah. That's the goal. That, that would but. be cool. Um, on the topic of, of popular thing and influencers and such, I, um, I decided to do something a little different on Instagram, which is, oh boy. uh, I don't know. It, it, I, I see it as, as an interesting move. So I decided to pay the, the $15 a month for the verification, which means nothing. It, it, it means <laughs> nothing. It's, I will say it's a step above Twitter. Because on Twitter, they don't even ask for like a, a government ID and verify that you are, you know, the picture of you and the names and everything match. Um, with Instagram, they, they released a new um, thing a little while back where basically you upload a picture of your driver's license. You have to have a profile photo that is a full front picture of your face. So I had to change mine from my really cool shot with my umbrella to some random screen grab from a video that is going to be more permanent than I thought it would be. I thought I could just switch it back to something better, but I'm stuck with this one for about 30 days. Weird. Um, and then I can switch it to another one. But, but then they, they use, I think, like a face recognition thing or whatever to automatically check your face against the face in the picture and then to check your name on your driver's license to the name on your account. And then they give you the verification. And I see it mostly just as yet another business expense. Because um, I think on, on Instagram, at least, it still has some degree of value versus on Twitter where you just pay to have a blue check mark and there's no verification of anything whatsoever. Um, but I just saw it as a strictly a business move um and just one more way of i don't know it adding legitimacy perhaps uh even though it doesn't really um yeah that's what i that's why i'm a little confused because like i can understand if you're like a big name like i don't know if you're jeff bezos on instagram and you have it verified yeah like I can understand that because you have a bunch of other accounts that are trying to pretend to be you for that like internet clout or whatever. But for someone like you and I, like what does that really do? Because it's not like on Instagram you have, I don't know, a million followers. Like Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait. Not, not yet. After my $15 a month, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but I just like, is there anything besides like the check mark of like, ooh, I'm verified on social media? Like, is there anything that it adds to it? Like, I, I, the, do they at least claim that they're giving you better reach or some stupid stuff I, like that? I can't remember what it was, but there, there are a few things that they listed that they provided. It's mostly stuff that is never really needed. But I will say that if I'm just scrolling through Instagram, I think it still does carry some degree of weight. Whereas I believe on Twitter, it just has lost all relevance. And I think it's also the way where on Twitter, 
if you click on a person's blue check mark, it says this person is just a subscriber to Twitter Blue. Versus if you click on that check mark on Instagram, it'll say, you know, verified on this date. And it says, you know, this person is either notable or they're paying for the thing. It, so it's, it's a little bit different in the execution. And I, I don't plan on buying it for, for Twitter unless they do change it to the, some point where it actually does offer some degree of actual verification. Um, and, and then maybe at that point, but, but yeah. And, 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 and so I just, I just think it's one of those things where it's, it makes no real difference, but maybe it does. I don't know. I don't like giving money to, to the, uh, to the evil Facebook. Um, but at the same time, I do find, I do find that Instagram actually is a probably where I have the most significant actual reach and then also in terms of networking and stuff along those lines. Yeah, I guess so. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just my perception on social media as a whole that's like, I'm very jaded yeah. over it. But and I don't know. I just couldn't imagine spending $15. That's little more than half of what I spend on my website each month yeah. just for a little check mark on a social media platform when I don't have any like true veracity anyway yeah like yeah and, I don't and know. another thing too um when i was on uh instagram I, I know that some people they and this is something we've talked about in the past some people get caught up on like the number of likes and, and for me i honestly don't really care i see it as a fascinating thing just to see how an image is perceived but the actual number i i don't really care about um, but one thing I found which is interesting is what matters more to me is to see the actual names of the people and see the actual people that are like, and to me, I place more emphasis on that because it makes it more real. Um, but one thing I started doing is I went through some of the past several posts I had and looked at the list of all the people that had liked the image. And more specifically, I looked at all the people that I'm not already following. And I went down that list and I was, because my, my account had changed over, um, I don't know, a year ago, I don't know, maybe a little, maybe a little bit more than that. And I went to a, a new username on Instagram. And so I lost a lot of the um, original uh, stats and everything from my other account. So there's people that I wasn't following that I should be following. So I went and tried to like catch up with all these accounts that I wasn't following that I needed to, to follow. But it was actually quite fascinating going through all these, you know, this whole list of people and looking at their work and discovering all of these really talented photographers who I hadn't heard of before. And so I really enjoyed going through and then looking at the work, um, you know, following them. And in the process of doing that and kind of what I'm getting to here is that there was something I found which is which was rather fascinating, which is the accounts that had a uh, the profile image, the avatar that they're using. If the picture of them was in black and white versus in color, they often had better work. And I'm not I'm not quite sure why this is, but after a while I noticed this trend. I looked through it. All right, you know, here's you know, there's the person they're using their actual name. Their profile image is in black and white. I clicked on. I'm like, oh, this is very impressive. And I don't know why that is. But there's something about that. So I think when I, in about a month, when I'm able to change my profile image on Instagram, 
I think I have to go black and white now. I, I think it just adds more legitimacy that <laughs> and the little tiny little blue dot that I pay $15 a month for. So, you know. That is fascinating perception. Yeah. But I think the, the, that's the way that a platform like Instagram can be quite useful in terms of from like a networking standpoint, but also discovering um, other photographers. And so I, 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 was, I enjoyed that. I, I had some fun with it. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my Instagram story for the week. It's funny because I think my uh, Instagram profile, most of my profiles are typically in black and white. Which makes sense because you shoot mostly black and white, you know, just a, a common yeah, theme. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that correlated with how good my work is. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think you're, you're I just think Ansel Adams' picture is going to be black and white on his profile. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see the correlation. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other things that we had on the Discord, and this kind of goes back to uh, Christopher May's uh, question prompt, was... Um, yeah, bursting through the invisible barrier of over-familiarity and like of going back to locations time and time again and how you navigate that and get around the um, potential downsides that you might see of, oh, I'm just going back to this local park or going back to Death Valley time and time again yeah. and still being able to create fresh and unique work. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd be curious to see so, what you have to say about that. I, I, I guess a lot of it depends on the size of the place. So like if you're talking about, let's say like a, a smaller location, like more of like a local area, um, I do see how a smaller area could perhaps be a bit more difficult from that standpoint. Um, but a larger area, you know, like, a, like Death Valley or something like that, I mean, you could explore that place for the rest of your life. And if it's during the summer, it won't be a very long time. Um, but you, you can explore Death Valley for forever and you're going to keep finding more and more places. Um, but in terms of returning to areas, like specific areas of the park that are familiar, I'm a huge fan of that. A lot of it is because when you do revisit, what you notice is you notice the change. Um, so after a while, the things that are, are familiar and the same, those things are the constants. They're the steady thing. But you, you notice those, those small changes or those big changes when you go back. And to me, that gives me a sense of direction with the work where otherwise I might be very intimidated by everything around me. Um, but if you go, hey, there's a rock fall over here. I'm going to go check that out or you know something like that. I think I think that is one of the things I enjoy about the process of returning to an area and also experiencing it in different conditions, different seasons. Um, so, I mean, a place like Zion, which I've returned to every year on dedicated photography trips since 2009, I, I'll never get tired of that place. And it's not a big park either, but I'll never get tired of it just because it, things change so much. There's always a variety of, of new and interesting things. And so in that sense, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the location itself. Because um, I know that you often visit like kind of the smaller, more local areas. And 
that might be a bit, a bit of a different situation. I don't necessarily think that it is. I just went back through and I've been tracking my mileage and which locations I go to for each of the trips and when I go on them, that kind of mm -hmm. deal. And uh, I just looked back at that and there are, I think, three. I've gone to three different parks so far this year. I've gone to one of them five times. Does that mean that every single time that I've made a photograph? No, not even close. Yeah. But I'm still going back, revisiting. I'm learning different trails within these parks, even with there's a park that's not too far from me, um, maybe 10 minutes from my house. And it's one that I've had an interesting relationship with because in 2021, in January, was when I started to, things really started to click for me in terms of more contemplative photography and slowing down and not prioritizing um, the capturing of a photograph every single time that I go yeah. out and just enjoying being out in nature. And that was a huge shift for me and it happened in that park. And since then, I've been able to more readily see the potential beauty and the potential intimate photographs and everything that I could get from this same area coming back and running the same trails time and time again. Yeah. Um, so even in small places, it all depends on how you, how and what you look at. Like, yeah, if you are just photographing, I don't know, um, if you're just looking for one specific thing, if you're just going to a park time and time again to photograph its waterfall that it has, and it only has that one waterfall. Yeah, yeah you can make a series out of that. Sure, you could spend the entire year photographing that waterfall in different ways. But it all depends on how you perceive that too. Like you can only, f you can photograph a waterfall in a hundred different ways if you know how to get to that point and you can see that different, those different compositions, that intimacy. But if you're just going back and forth to that waterfall and trying to get that like epic photograph, um, it's not going to happen as easily. So changing your perception on what subjects you want to focus on and how intimate you want to get with a location, going back time and time again to see how things change. Uh, there are certain compositions that I'll retake every so often just because things change with them. I just did that recently with um, one of the photographs that I have of a, um, it's an old chimney from, I don't know, a house from the, like the late 1800s, early 1900s kind of era. Mm -hmm. And I photographed it during the snow and I just scanned those sheets in. Am I going to do anything with them? Don't know, but it's still that idea of like seeing the change in things through the years, going back to those locations. So there's definitely barriers to this whole idea of over-familiarity, but if you can get past those and you can start looking at a location, not necessarily for its photographic value, but for the value of just going out into the nature and enjoying nature, things will start to come to you more easily over time, I think. Yeah, that, that's a very good way of, of putting it. And another thing too, when I visit um, familiar locations is that every time I go there, I'll, I'll notice things that I kind of put away in like this mental catalog in terms of maybe it's a particular plant, maybe it's a particular area, maybe I see the light bouncing off something in an interesting way. And just walking around and just being inspired by 
an area that I, I clearly enjoy, an area that I have a connection with, which is why I keep going back there again and again. But by adding these small bits and pieces to this mental catalog to the point that it gives me ideas of things to photograph that I may not have thought of before, but also in the time before heading off on the, you know, back to that location, um, there's often something I'm, I'm pretty excited about photographing. There's something that I have in mind that um, I'll probably pursue in the, the early days of, of my trip. Um, and then after that, just spend time wandering around and again, just rebuilding that, that catalog of all the various elements around me. Um, so I, I think it's just a lot of it is walking around with an open mind, even though a place may be familiar, even though you may have walked past the same tree again and again, but going out with an open mind and just absorbing everything around you, uh, because you will find all sorts of really interesting subjects hidden in plain sight. You just have to have the right mindset in order to, to absorb it all. Um, so I think it's a combination of that plus noticing those changes um, as well as, as what you said as well. And I don't know, I, I think it's one of the most rewarding parts of, of landscape photography. I know I keep mentioning them a lot uh, in recent episodes and I think I got called out for it on Discord even too. Um, but I look at Simon Baxter for this. Like, just he goes to the same general locations time and time again and uh, still comes away with great work. There are a lot of photographers anymore that do that, that go to one location. Michael Gordon is another great example with Death Valley. Mm -hmm. He knows Death Valley like the back of yeah. his hand. And he still comes away with these unique, beautiful pieces of art. Guy Tall does something similar. He's going to the back country of uh, Utah all the time, finds these fascinating places that haven't been touched by man in hundreds, if not thousands of years, and comes away with great work. All just really focusing in on one niche, on one specific area, and the intimacies within that, I think can really, it makes you a more... I think it makes you more interesting of a photographer if you're able to do that. Yeah. Because it's so easy to just, oh, I'm going to shoot off to Iceland and I'm going to photograph this, this, and this, and then I'm going to go down to Patagonia and I'm going to do this and this, and then I'm going to go to Yosemite and photograph this and etc. Like, that is so Which easy to do. Which feels very unfulfilling to me. Yeah. It's very easy to do. It's very, like, placated, I guess would be a word for it. It's just, like, everything is face value. And nothing more. Like there's no depth to it. And it's very difficult to show that depth when you're just copy and pasting these compositional ideas. So Yeah. And the other thing too, um, I, I was thinking like if you were to view, whether it's on Instagram or wherever else, like a, a photographer's portfolio, it's interesting how there are some people that will have a very cohesive look among all their photos. It's, you know, a variety of different subjects, probably all in the same genre. So, you know, let's say it's all landscapes and such, but a, a variety of different locations and different conditions, but there's something very unifying about all those images where you can, you can hear the voice of the artist coming through in the work. And there's also some portfolios to look at where it's really kind of all over the place. Even if it's a 
if if it seems somewhat consistent, but the the voice isn't coming through. And I, I think that is having that voice come through in your work and that level of of consistency, I, I think is something that is oftentimes a result of that familiarity with a uh, with a location, um, and and perhaps you know a variety of locations for some people, but I don't know. There's something about that voice coming through, which I don't even know how to quantify what it is. I don't know if that's something that you're able that you've noticed or or, or have been able to um, experience. Yeah, I mean, really, I think it just goes back to that idea of depth in a photograph of like being able to show that depth because you are so familiar with location and so in tune with everything around you. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. I don't know if you got anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our creative banter. You can learn more about Cody's work by visiting his website, CodySchultz.com and you can find my work at BenHorn.com For further discussion join us at Patreon.com slash Creative Banter It's a place where we can interact with you the listener and although we greatly appreciate those who contribute by joining a tier discussions are open to everyone whether you're a paying member or not Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you around next time